Welcome back, everyone, to our Labeling the Disabling podcast. This is episode three, sponsored by the Disability Trust. My name is Carol Hajo, and I have Ed Burt with me as well today. Hi, everybody. Great to be back. Thanks, Ed. And today we're going to be uh, chatting with Shannon Layla, and I'll let Shannon introduce himself, and we're going to be talking all things disability with Shannon. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for letting me come here. Um, I'm basically Shannon Layla. I've a client of the Disability Trust and I'm also a client of other service providers. Um, I basically am 37 years old. I live in Wollongong and I basically do a lot of stuff um, for people with disabilities. Not necessarily with the Disability Trust, with Council of Intellectual Disability in Surrey Hills, Sydney. Um, basically, I do a lot of stuff for one reason, and I've said this to many people, for my friends that have disabilities and for generally for everyone that has a disability because we matter. Um, so yeah, I do a lot of stuff and I'm proud to do it, I'm happy to do it, and yeah, I like what I do. Thanks, Shannon. So we're going to talk about all things disability with you today, and you mentioned that you have an intellectual disability. Would you like to talk a little bit about that with us? Uh, yes, I was born with an intellectual disability from birth um, when I was born. Um, it has been a struggle over the years, being raised and basically having an intellectual disability through childhood and through adulthood. So yeah, it has been a challenge through the years, but through the right support and through my own um, mum and basically other help along the way. And I can't um, not go by mentioning that um, one of my former schools, Paramedos, done a lot of speech therapy with me when I was a kid and they done a lot of good work. So um, the right support, the right um, support at home and the right support when needed. So it has been not easy, but I've gone through it. Can I, I've heard you describe intellectual disability as the invisible disability, Shannon. Uh, why is that important? I know you, you said... Well, it's important because a lot of people look for physical disability because you can see it. If someone is in a wheelchair, and no offence to anyone in a wheelchair, um, you can see that disability straight out. There's no question that person has a disability. Intellectual is to do with the brain. The reality is for, and I've said this to so many people, that you are looking at someone that might be 30 years old, age physically, but not in the head. They are less, less advanced in the head. It's like talking to a child. So I really believe that a lot of people, misconception about intellectual disability is there in society, in community, and people need better education about it because there's loads of people with intellectual disability and they matter in society and they need to be understood and understand, not rejected. What sort of, what sort of experiences have you had with that? What sort of challenges have you faced as a person with an invisible disability? We know that about 95% of disabilities are invisible. Um, and so how, what effect has that had on your um, access to services or your, the way people have treated you? What have you found with that? Well, I find it's extremely difficult dealing with government departments especially and 
um, especially Centrelink um, and people in general, um, they think that intellectual disability doesn't exist, that doesn't matter. And these are the words that people have told me themselves through my own experience. And they often say that's no excuse. Like they don't understand that people with intellectual disability, it's not their fault that they act that way. It's because of their disability. But unfortunately, a small section of Sony, I believe, are not understanding the needs of people with intellectual disability and it's very frustrating at time. I've experienced um, discrimination and treated badly because of my disability, because of lack of understanding about my disability in the effect that people think it does not matter, it doesn't exist. It's not apparent and I think, well, um, what about the doctors that say that? What about the medical field? What about the people that are trained with um, disability to understand that these people do have a disability but all we ask is just to be treated the same as anyone else and to be understood. So you've had, you've had that experience, have you, Shannon, where people have assumed that you're using your disability as an excuse? Is that what you, you, you use the term, that's no excuse? Well, so. it's the comments I get. And yeah. I'll give you one example to explain why I use that excuse. Um, one of my other service providers, which was not a disability service, was a mental health service. One of the workers there, um, I was at this particular program and um, I was basically having a bad day, you could say. And I said to him, look, you need to understand that I have a disability. All these other people have mental health issues alone. I have intellectual disability. It makes me slower than them. It's, I'm not going to be as quick for you as you would like. Now, the words I got back was, that's no excuse, which got me really, really annoyed and mad and was an insult for people with disabilities because I thought, no excuse. Um, I'm sorry if I was born with a disability, but um, unfortunately, I know saying it. Whereas if they see a person using a wheelchair and they say, well, I can't get up and walk over there and pick up my own bag, they're not going to turn around and say, well, that's no excuse. Yeah. That's Whereas with you, that's what they're assuming. Oh, yeah, because they look at me and they look at all my friends with intellectual disability and they can walk, they mm. can talk. But, but in, there are still but other not impacts. in the brain. Yeah. And this is the whole thing. The intellectual disability has nothing to do with the physical body. It's got to do with the brain. And that person may be only 10 years old in the head, but it's a 30-year-old person. Yes. And that's the biggest lack of understanding now is that these people, and I, what I mean by these people are real people that do matter, um, basically have an intellectual disability, but it's got nothing to do with the physical body. It's got to do with the brain. So these people may be 30 years old, 40 years old, 50 years old, or whatever age they are, but in the brain they are not. They're still a child. What, what makes it easier for you then, Shannon? What, what can people do to, to help 
you know, to, like because, you know, to meet you on the street, you're not going to immediately um, think that you have an intellectual disability, um, but you do. So um, what, what should people be doing when they're meeting strangers uh, on, the, on the street in term, and if somebody perhaps behaves differently or, you know, uh, responds differently? What, sh- what should we be doing? Well, the first thing is to um, understand that this person is not all they are in their head. And this is the biggest problem um, I've had, that um, when I'm out in the community and I'm only doing what my brain is allowing me to do with my intellectual disability, I get looked at like I'm a weirdo, like there's something wrong with me. And that's not the impression people want. You know, you need to just fall back and say, perhaps this person does have a disability. You know, I don't know for sure 100%, but I'm just going to give them the leeway. I'm just going to be a little bit understanding and go, all right, I'm not going to judge you. I'm just going to, you know, you're obviously not having a good day, you're struggling a little bit, so just leave them and let them be. Do you think people are scared, perhaps, or, or confused, or uh, what, what, what is it? It sounds... I think um, a lot of it is to do with... Um, for someone with intellectual disability, things that um, are complicated, that are hard to understand, um, even though this person is physically like 30, 40, well, like what I said before, their brain is trying to process this as a child. Now, the reality is when you're trying to put a complex situation up against someone with intellectual disability that does not know how to handle it, they're going to struggle. They won't know how to handle it. One of the things that is key problems that intellectual disability people have is handling their emotions, handling situations, and they get scared real quick. They get scared, they get anxious, they don't know which way to go. And they're just very much confused. This is why carers are so important. You've always been somebody, Shannon, that strikes me as as um, actively supporting others. You know, with with intellectual disability or other types of disability. Um, I'm inter- really interested in your experience as an advocate, uh, the work that you do with the Council for Intellectual Disability. What got you interested in that area of advocacy well, and support? For me, it's very much part of me because um, basically going back to uh, my ancestry of Peter Layla, which is um, Rico Stockade in Ballarat, Victoria, he stood up for the miners, for the people that had no voice. So I've always thought that um, one thing I wanted to do in this life was to basically, if there's one thing I could do, was to stand up for people with disabilities and fight for them and make sure that they had all the rights that they need, then that's enough for me. Mm. Wow. So you're, you're a direct descendant of Peter Layla? Uh, yes, Is that the right? Eureka Stockade Leader. The Eureka Stockade so Leader. For wow. me, it's always been There you go, Carol. Life. Yeah. <laughs> that was quite a rebellion and quite yeah. a standing uh, yes. up for people's yeah. rights and human rights. Uh, uh, yes. Fantastic. And I've always had a passion for that. Mm. Yep. Even mm. within my own right, my own life. Like, um, whenever I get that attitude of, no, you can't do this, 
And I think, why? Tell me why. Oh, no, no, I don't want you to do that. I say, mate, tell me why not. You know, it's my life. It's my right to live the way I want to live. If you don't like it, I don't care. The reality is people have rights to live the way they should want to live. They should not be discriminated against and they should live their life according to what they want. It's not about the um, majority. It's about that person and their rights to live the way they should live. Now, I'm not saying um, they should live any way everyone else lives, but they have that right to live the way they want to live. Yep. And what sort of... How has that affected your life? How have you been um, impacted upon in terms of wanting to do something that people have told you you can't do? Can you give us an example about that? Um, I guess for, Like your own rights and your life. I guess for me, um, basically, um, a few things I can relate to that. Um, basically, moving. Um, I've moved a few times here and there. Now I've had opposition against that. Oh, no, you shouldn't move. You know, all of this. And I think, no, if I want to move, I'll move. So when you say move, because that is a really good point, actually. So um, I guess I'm assuming that you've just always lived in the same place. You said you grew up in Wollongong. Uh, um, oh, no, I actually grew up. I should clarify this. I okay. actually grew up in Tamworth. Okay. In Tamworth, and I was born in Tamworth Base Hospital. And I was moved down here with my family later on. But um, basically, um, when I talk about move, I was using an example as um, basically moving house. Yes. Or residence. Yep. And, um, you do know, you rent somewhere? Uh, yes, I do rent. Yep. But um, basically for me, um, if I choose to move here, there, wherever, I take it upon myself that I have that right to yes, move. Yes, you do. Yes. You know, I have that right to choose whether or not um, – if I want a partner, I have yes. a right to choose if I um, choose to spend time with this person or not with that person. You know, I have a right to um, decide um, basically where I want to go, what bus I want to hop on, where if I want to go to this shopping centre. Like the basic human rights that we all have yep. are very much key part of my life because um, as soon as I feel like my human rights have been violated – then I put up a fight like you've never seen before. Yep. I won't accept that, you know, and I don't care what opposition I've got. I can have loads of opposition against me that telling me, no, 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 and I'll go, well, I don't care. You know, I have that right to live my life according to what I think is right. For you, yeah. And I don't have to be justified to no one. I think that's what you do. <coughs> You're quite well known in Wollongong, I believe, Shannon. You make your, you know, your, your, uh, your yes, visit think, the various I, offices. I, I think mm. I have um, the reputation of I mm. do what I want and, yes, I do annoy people and I do um, get them well, going and, you know, because they don't like it because I'm doing something that they don't want me to do, but I know that um, I'm well in my rights. You know, it's like what I said before ages ago. If it's not against the law... And it's not against anyone that's hurting anyone, then I have no right to do that. So, what sort of things have you um, agitated about? I guess How, what? Well, um, things I've done, and I suppose I should um, mention the Council for Intellectual Disabilities. What I've done there, um, they go and they are in Surrey Hills, they head headquarters, and I do catch a two and a half hour train ride just to go up there. Yep. 
for these things. And I have done some stuff in Wollongong as well. Um, how I started with Council of Intellectual Disability is quite funny, actually, and remarkable because it wasn't... Um, I didn't just run into them. It was actually April Hill from the Disability Trust helped me find them. Because I went to her one day and said, look, is there any groups you can help me find that are specifically for intellectual disability? Well, she got in contact with someone called Kylie from this organisation and I met her for the first time in Wollongong. And she sort of got me in all these other stuffs that came with the Council of Intellectual Disability. And then I sort of expanded from here, there, everywhere, and sort of now it's become a really big part of my life. Okay. So all credit to that, it's April Hill that is actually the one that um, got me into that. And it was the Wollongong Disability Self-Advocacy Group that got me connected with CID as well. So from the very small beginnings of a local group in Wollongong has now put me into the big headquarters of our Council of Intellectual Disability in Surrey Hills. Mm. Mm. Wow. Um, I was going to ask you, Shannon, if there was something you could change uh, in Australia about, uh, about in relation to disability. There's so much going on at the moment with the NDIS coming on and all sorts of changes, but if there was something that you could you could change to make a difference to a lot of people, what, what would it be? Um, I guess the main thing is discrimination. One of the things that I think as someone that has a disability is, and I've, like what I said before about the invisible disability, all these um, things, is that there's so much within government departments, within the general community of discrimination and um, just lack of understanding of people with disabilities, they need so much work. There's so much work to be done there. And I'm not, and to be honest, I'm not just talking about intellectual disability, I'm talking about all disabilities now because there's so much work to be done with the ending the discrimination of access to work, access to government departments, access to the NDIS. Like NDIS after 65, you got a disability, you got no help at all. So, you know, it's like, that's what I love to see, that every single person that has a disability, no matter what it is, gets the help they needed and end the discrimination. Yep. And what have you applied? Um, are you with the NDIS yourself? Uh, yes, I am. Yep, and how have you found that experience? Well, I find it confusing Yes. in a lot of ways. I believe um, my personal experience that um, my funding and is not... I wouldn't say it's accurate or enough in my determination. But truthfully be told, I think then the IS itself, um, some people are getting a lot of help, some people are not getting enough, and some people are just getting just right. But my own personal experience, I believe I should get more funding. But I know that... Um, I'm only one person, so, yeah. yeah. But if you ask the services that are provided, like my one-on-one carer that comes from the Disability Trust, I can't fault her. She really does a good job and she really helps me a lot. Um, April Hill's uh, self-advocacy group, which is Disability Trust again, she does a really good job of what she does. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. 
Um, One Doll Mental Health, which is Marvel Service Provider. The men's group does a critical role for men. Can I just stop you there one second, Shannon? Uh, yeah. You talked about One Door Mental Health. So you have a an intellectual disability. Ah, uh, yes. Um, but you also have now mentioned that you have a... Um, provider for mental health. Do you also have a mental health condition? That's something we uh, haven't yes. talked about. Yes. I was diagnosed with it much later in life and I was not born with mental health, Yep. unlike my intellectual disability. And um, basically for me, um, they do a service that's specifically designed for that. Okay. So don't get it wrong. Um, the reality is I was born with intellectual disability from birth when I was born, but I developed mental health issues later on in life when I was a teenager and early adult. So that's where they come in and it's critical that they do for that, but it's also critical that the Disability Trust does my disability needs. And what you'll find is that over 50% or more people with intellectual disabilities will have some sort of mental health Mm -hmm. issues. I guarantee it. Mm -hmm. Well, that sort of brings us, wraps us up for the conversation today. What I'd like to say, Shannon, is that um, I'm sure Ed's felt this too. Mm. Um, Whether it's the Layla in you or just the fight in you, um, we have a lot to be thankful um, to you for, for keeping that agitation going, for keeping that fight going, for keeping that advocacy and self-advocacy mm. going and really um, making people listen. And, and that's something we need, really need to thank you for and appreciate you for that. Yeah, Thank you so yeah, much. Thanks, thanks for no joining worries. us awesome today. Awesome to talk no to you. And, uh, yeah, really appreciate all the work that you do. It's yeah. so important. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, Thank Definitely. you very much. Nice, nice.